time for the Extra Innings Podcast, presented by the Seattle Times. Your host is Seattle Mariners beat writer Ryan Divish. This semi-weekly slash monthly slash whenever he gets around to it podcast talks about the Mariners, Major League Baseball, food, and whatever else Ryan and his guests decide to talk about. And now, here's your host, Ryan Divish. All right. It's an Extra Innings Podcast, special edition, emergency podcast. Um, if you don't know why we're doing this, you're probably living under a social media rock and you aren't listening to podcasts. So... Anyways, everybody knows that Kevin Mather um, kind of put his foot in his mouth, left it in there, and just kept talking or trying to talk with it. Uh, he t- spoke to some Rotarians. Yes, the Bellevue Breakfast Rotary Club. Kevin Mather was the guest speaker on February 5th. Why are we talking about it today? Well, the video of it was uploaded to YouTube on February 19th. Some intrepid Mariners fans found it on Twitter or on youtube and then went through it listened to it couldn't believe what they heard summarized it with some notes and then it went on twitter went viral obviously i had to write about it everybody wrote about it and why because the comments were insensitive obtuse i'm gonna use that word a lot with larry um idiotic just unaware i think is a good word to use in all of this and so uh once that all went down. I wrote a story. Larry wrote a column saying that Kevin should be fired. Matt Calkins wrote a column as well. Uh, and then Larry and I decided to do this kind of emergency podcast to discuss it. So um, we'll get into all of what he said and kind of how everything broke down, the timeline of it all, what we think is going to happen. Uh, I'm recording this. It's 12, 17 a.m. here in Arizona. And as of now, Kevin Mather is still employed. He issued a statement saying that his comments didn't reflect him, the organization. They were all his own. When you're the president of an organization and the CEO, I'm sorry, but any of your comments reflect the organization and its strategy, especially when you're talking about legitimate baseball aspects. He wasn't talking about politics or anything like that. He was talking about the fundamental workings of this team and how they do things. That represents the organization because of the position he's in. So, anyways, we'll get to Larry, we'll have a long conversation, and then afterwards, I will have the full audio of all of this from the, uh, the Rotary Club. We downloaded the video, kept it, it's on the Seattle Times website, uh, you can watch the video, but you can also listen to the audio here. So let's get to Larry's conversation, or Larry and I's conversation, and start the show. All right, let's welcome in Larry Stone, who is once again wearing another um, another sweatshirt without a hood. I mean, Bob Condota <laughs> is going to fight you over this, Larry. I'm not a hoodie guy. I'm a I'm a sweatshirt guy. I'm wearing my I'm wearing a cow sweatshirt today for full disclosure. Oh, cow, oh, cow bears! <laughs> yeah, it was a solid effort they put up against WSU the other night. I don't even like WSU. About. <laughs> the effort against the, the Huskies. Oh, yeah. Not really that good either. I mean, when, yeah. when you make the Huskies look, um, uh, we just got an update saying that Scott is going to speak post-workout instead of at 8 a.m. I wonder why. <laughs> well, that's good news for uh, the, the those of us with an hour uh, time difference. We don't yeah. have to get up at, at 6.30. So, so we're doing this emergency podcast because, well, I mean, like if you're, if you're listening to this, you know what happened, all right? As I wrote... Kevin Mather uh, apparently did a, this uh, uh, 
Zoom interview with these group of Rotarians, the Bellevue Breakfast Rotary Club, those Rotarians, a, uh, a rather raucous folk. Um, they, they, he talked to them, and this was the interview on February 5th, and then it was posted and uploaded on YouTube on the 19th. Some people saw it, some Mariners fans. I think Joe Vieira and some of these other guys saw it because those guys are on media more than us. And, um, and then somebody sent me the, uh, the link and the summary of what he said. And I was like, I saw the summary. I was like, there is no way he said these things. And then I went and watched and, and then all hell broke loose. And I was having delicious In-N-Out Burger again. And, um, and then basically spent the day chasing, writing, watching this. I know you were ta- doing the same. Uh, I talked to you yeah. several times. Uh, and so not what we expected for our Sunday, was it, Larry? No, I mean, it's a, it's a day off for me. You don't get days off when you're in Arizona. But, um, and then it's Matt Calkin's day to write. You know, each of the, we have two columnists and we have prescribed dates to write. So even after that, I wasn't going to write it first, but then, the more I thought about it and, you know, I was, I wrote, I wrote something cause I was just so like uh, worked up by it. And originally it was going to post tomorrow morning, but then we just decided to post it tonight. And uh, I think that just was the right call. I mean, like yeah, he, I, we had to have a, a take on his job situation. I think it was the, it was the, the right one. You wrote that he should be fired immediately. And um, I mean, we needed to have it up immediately we are the we're the paper of record we cover the team more than any other media outlet i mean that's not bragging it's just facts and we needed to have that so um i'm glad we did it that way i i wish you know we waited on that statement from mather we'll get into all that but before we get into all this because you know our ruined sunday for those of you that'll watch this on zoom i have a bananas update look at this there are they're start, well, I bought these. They were green, okay? Yeah. And they're starting yeah. to color up. I have not eaten one. I will <laughs> not eat one. They're going to stay like this, okay? It's, it's funny. When you turn them the other side, they look great. But then when you turn them... Yeah. I mean, like, these are... Somewhere, Gilligan and the Skipper are upset about what we're doing with these bananas. So I just want to give the bananas update before we get yeah. back into the, the nonsense and the idiocy that we are dealing with today. Okay. Isn't there a, isn't there a time lapse function on iPhones? You should uh, you should film it every day, and then you could do a time lapse of them going from yellow to brown. You know, it would be nice. But you know, Larry, I spent most of my time on my phone today, um, texting with other people, saying, "What the hell is Kevin Mather thinking?" And or <laughs> I can't believe that he said these things. Did he not see the recording light was on? Or this is a comeuppance for this guy, and he should be fired immediately. So. Um, when did you like? First of all, let's just get in. When did you see the tweet about it, or the, did I? Yeah. I retweeted it. A guy sent it to me, the Savage Jerry Depoto account. Yeah, who who is on Twitter more than me? He because he has everything. He sent me the tweet. I looked at it, retweeted it while I was having a delicious three by three with animal fries, and then you know went back. And then when I started to listen to it, then I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Right, what well, about you? He- that was about the same time. I hadn't seen it at that point. I was just minding my own business, you know, going through a quiet Sunday, like I said. And then I, you know, checked the, the phones like I do periodically and saw your reference to it. And then I read the summary and I thought, well, that doesn't sound too bad. 
but then I listened to it after that, and then I went, oh my goodness. Uh, I think, and the, the more I read it, and the more, you know, each time I listened to it, the, the worse it became to me. There's so much objectionable in that. I mean, just, you, I mean, just for the start, what he did with the, like, you, you listed all the people that he ticked off. It's like half the team, including the two faces of the future faces of the franchise, the guys they've been touting as the the, the uh, stars of the future that they're building around, that they've been getting everybody so hyped up about, Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelnick. Uh, both of them are probably, you know, from ranging from annoyed to upset to furious about his comments. And then Kyle Seeger, who's done more for the, for the organization, for the team than anybody. Including you know, Kevin Mather. Yeah, over seven or eight years. He's been a good soldier. You, he's got to listen to the team president say he's overpaid. And then, and then about how they, well, I, I mean, like, look, you can argue whether or not baseball players are overpaid, but I mean, yeah, you know, but they gave him the contract and right. the GM that Kevin Mather, uh, I might add, extended for a season and then had to fire the next season. Um, they gave him an extension. So, yeah. And yeah. And, and also they sat there and said, well, they're not going to exercise his option, which I mean, we all knew they weren't anyways, but yeah, I mean, look. And I think this is kind of my, my lead was like, you, you don't, I don't care who you think you're talking to yeah. in a public forum. You do not let people see how the sausage is made or you don't let them behind the curtain. Like there are probably 25 other team presidents that think along the similar lines of Kevin Mather, looking at players as pieces and objectionable yeah. and all this stuff. And this whole obtuse thinking. Probably twenty nine, to be honest. Yeah, they don't say it like the way he said it, and I don't know if like, I mean, like, how can you rise to that level in a business world and not understand that everything you're doing is is like it can be recorded now? I mean, like, I'm looking at our Zoom right now; it says recording in the left corner. Yeah, I mean, I tweeted that early, early in the day that how incredibly naive or stupid it was to think that this was going to stay in that room. You know, it's one thing when you're up on the podium and speaking, and then if somebody's, you know, re visibly recording, you can tell them to stop. But as you pointed out, in a Zoom setting, anybody can, can record it. And then apparently the Rotary Club itself posted the video. That was awesome. <laughs> it didn't take anybody, you know, uh, secretly going paparazzi or anything. It was posted by the organization because they apparently didn't see anything wrong with it. And, uh, you know, you're right. Just to, to, to say that stuff out loud uh, reflects poor judgment. But beyond the poor judgment, it's just the stuff that he said is what, you know, what I think should get him fired. Okay, so let's go through it a little bit. I mean, we're obviously I'm going to I'm going to post the audio of everything he said because I have the audio because I knew that 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 video wasn't yeah. last then. I downloaded that stuff quick and you can find the full video on the Seattle Times. Um, but, uh, so like, so he, he opens up with like his opening statement and he says, nobody, and, and he's writing this, nobody wants to hear about sports team owners complaining that they lost money, which is correct. And he said that it was a terrible year for them financially, but Larry, what did he say after that? But there was a, but in it, it was a terrible year for them financially, but but not as bad as other teams. Yes, because yeah. you know why? Because as he pointed out, they had no payroll this year, and they have no payroll next year. 
or this, you know, last year and this year. They have no payroll. And they get more money than most teams from their TV deal. Yes, yes. And because they own their TV, they own the TV station. And for some reason, fans here still watch this team play, even though they've rolled out teams that are not requisite big league level the last couple of seasons. Yeah. I mean, if they didn't have Kyle Lewis last year, would you have had any reason to watch them? (laughs) Not much. Yeah, this is a team right now that's devoid of star power. I mean, Kyle Lewis is as close as they have. And, I mean, they were probably lucky that they didn't open the gates last year because I think attendance would have been pretty dismal. So, yeah, so uh, he starts with that. He says that, all this stuff. Like, okay, we, we lost money, but we didn't lose as much as everybody else. Yet other everybody else, a lot of them are spending, and they aren't spending. So then he gets into this weird, um, like metaphor about the Tiger Woods commercial, better than the, you know, better than yeah. most. So they're still right. better than most. Again, like and then he gets in the TV deal. Like, okay, that's fine, but then you're just like anybody who's read anything knows, like, oh, you're doing better than most, but you're not spending like better than most. Right? You're not yeah, doing anything better than most. That's right. I mean, that's not going to win you points by saying, oh. <laughs> we're not going to lose as much as, as most teams and we're not going to, and we're pocketing that lack of savings. We're not, we're not reinvesting it in the team. Yeah. That's not going to, that's not going to make people happy. Uh, from there, he gets into some opening statement about, um, I'm trying to call it up here because there's so much, just so much. Um, so he gets into like this weird opening statement about, um, like just talking about all this stuff and about the development and then randomly just segues into the contract situation of Jared Kelnick. And yeah. I just like, and one, and the way he called him confident, it was not a compliment in the way. Yeah. He, like if you listen to the, the, te- the, the way he talked, that was not a compliment in the way. He yeah. I thought the whole tone of that was problematic, you know, Oh, maybe, maybe he will become a superstar. Who knows? You know, like, uh, you know, when he talked about him betting on himself, it's like, they, they better hope he becomes a superstar. Then the, the betting on himself works because their whole, their whole game plan is predicated on him becoming a superstar. So, so yeah. And then the intimations that they, you know, that they're, that they don't want a service time clock to start. That can't be a, uh, pleasant reading for for Kelnick's agent right yeah because they've suspected that I think you know so yeah. who knows what's what the reaction to that's gonna be yeah it's like I mean so yeah he's talking about he goes through and he does listen positive to the team and stuff like that yeah. and you know, like he I mean and like I, I'm sure they're bullet points <laughs> I like how he says Kikuchi, our Japanese pitcher. Thanks, Tips, as if they didn't know that yeah. you say Kikuchi is not the maybe he's the Swahili pitcher there, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so, um, so he said, and then yeah, he says he goes, you know, he says he's a 21 year old player who is um quite confident, and I'm like, oh god. You know, and he talks about like betting on himself and, and you know, and he's, he's talking about like, he's going to be there, but not April 1st. And he, and that, that means, you know, obviously they're, they're going to not, it doesn't matter if Jared Kelnick is the best left fielder yeah. in camp. You're not going to be there on opening day. Now, maybe they have to change that because the man will be players. He's probably not happy about what he's talking yeah. about right now. 
And same with Logan Gilbert. He says yeah. he's not going to be on the team. I mean, they've mapped out the, 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 they, if you're the manager, you want these players thinking they have a shot to make the team, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, you talk about comp open competition and all that. And the team president just made it clear. There's not open competition, that these guys have no chance of making the team. So that's, you know, that's strike one. I, I love the uh, part about when he's like, we've gathered the top, we've gathered prospects. Uh, it's been expensive and painful process for our fan base. You know? And then he talks about baseball America and having six in the top 100 or whatever. And he says, now when you're lousy in your minor leagues, you dismiss baseball America and say, you know, these kids, we'll see what happens yeah. with these kids. Kids grow up, which Jerry DePoto and Andy McKay did that year when they were ranked right. 30th in the farm system. Yeah, he goes, exactly. He goes, but since we have six in the top 100, we don't dismiss it. We speak quite highly of it. And you're just like, <laughs> yes, we've seen the tweets. All right, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and then, oh, and so at first, that, so then he gets from that, he gets into talking about long-term deals and how, Evan White, you know, we, you know, he has Evan White getting an extension before he played and um, how he, he, he tells people that the players and the players union told Evan White not to do it. And the players mocked him for doing it. And then, you know, like he brags about this one young pitcher in the bullpen about a long-term extension. And I'm thinking to myself, there was not one pitcher in that bullpen last year that deserved a long-term extension. I think the point of that, I think the point of that is exactly that. The more I thought about it, it's somebody who knows he'll never get $23 million saying, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Saying, saying jokingly almost, Hey, offer me 23 million. I'll take it because this is probably a journeyman type pitcher who will never get that because you're right. There's no, there's no reliever that would qualify for that kind of deal. No, I, I like this one too. This is just so unbelievable. The Seahawks won the Super Bowl. Good for them. Fantastic. And they had a heck of a parade. He talks about being with the Twins and the Winton World Series. It's a month-long process. And then he gets yeah. to – so when we win a World Series, as much as I like the Seahawks parade and them winning the Super Bowl, that parade will look like the neighborhood 4th of July parade. Because when we win the World Series, we're going to do it right. I'm looking forward to delivering it. I'm thinking to myself, you haven't made the playoffs in 20 years yeah. or 19 years. Yeah, I don't mind that. That was the, probably the best part of that whole speech. I mean, I mean, that's what fans yeah, I mean, to hear. because <laughs> I mean, look, you and I have both dealt with Kevin Mather um, on the record, off the record. He has no filter. I mean, I've been accused of having minimal filter, but I'm not stupid and I like to keep my job. Uh, he has minimal filter on and off the record and he will say things and you kind of raise your eyes and, and stuff like this. I mean, I wrote that whole story about their dysfunction. And he and he talked about how fans had no reason to, to stay with his team yeah. and how mistakes were made. And he basically trashed Jack Sorensic and Bill Bavese and, and all the stuff that they did. Um, but this was he took this to a whole nother level. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then we so, oh, uh, yeah. No. So, yeah. Um, so he talks a little bit about like when when people are coming back with some veiled shots at the union and the, which, you know, but then he gets they were veiled. They were, they were pretty yeah, open. Yeah. They were exactly veiled. They were uh, pretty. Yeah. Cause he's talking about how remember, the one part is like, um, he says something like, uh, um, about how they're going to be. Oh, he's talking about going to Arizona. Like when he was mocking that the fact that they were starting on time and that they did, it, you know, how stupid it was that Arizona is like the highest rate COVID yeah. and they're starting on time. 
that doesn't that didn't stop him from trying to get tickets in the seats for this cap. Might have been a stupid idea to start early, but we're gonna play it. We're gonna get those kids, those guys in the seats if they're gonna play. Right. Well, I mean, he's just parroting the MLB line because yeah. the MLB pushed for the delay and was upset that the union wouldn't go for it. Yeah. So. It, uh, but I'm sure Manfred doesn't want him talking like that. Oh, no. And he mentioned Fauci and how Fauci said that they could um, – all the players would have been vaccinated by the end of April. And I'm looking at the way the vaccinations are going in the state of Washington and other places. And I'm thinking, no, not a chance. Nope, not even yeah. close. Not unless they jump the line, which MLB says they're not going to do. What are the odds we see Paxton or Walker, he's asked. <laughs> he goes into their free agent thing. Yeah. And I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, he's pretty much he's he pretty much all explaining, the yeah. yeah, pretty much saying that okay, our strategy is we're going to play hardball, not make any offers, and hope that they cave is what he basically said. Yeah, and because they and, they're working with a limited budget, because he says, "But yeah. we lost." Yeah, and they're going to come with hat in hand. Uh, that you know, be, I'm sure that didn't please Paxton or <laughs> you know Walker. That yeah. uh, you know, he said. Paxton's agent assured us that he's going to get more than what he got last year, 12 million. And well, we signed him for much less. We're, we're talking about much less. So, you know, that's, that's not a way to win over somebody like James Paxton who's now on your team. And, you know, Taiwan, he pretty much said he's not going to get the three-year contract he wanted. He didn't, he got two in an option, but that's probably, I don't know if the Mariners offered him two in an option. Now, you know, instead of saying MLB sources are saying the Mariners weren't going to spend money this year, I can just say Kevin Mather in a speech to the Rotary <laughs> Club. Um, but yeah, and so, and, and then, but that's the thing too is they, they sat there and said, well, we're not going to spend this year because we really want to spend next year. Well, then you just talked about how you're treating free agents. Well, how the hell does anybody want to sign next year if you're going to be like this? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And just, I'm sure this, the players are probably, you know, very unhappy, and they convey that to about what he said. There's certain players who aren't going to be happy about it, and they're going to convey that to their friends on other organizations. Yeah, he. Um, so then they get in the Q and A, and a guy asks him about killing it because this this guy didn't understand how it worked. Obviously, the thing, and and so Mather is explaining it. And I might point out that Mather said in the opening statement about player development, or maybe it's later, that. No matter what would have happened if they would have had a COVID outbreak or any of that stuff, none of those guys were being called up due to service time. Yeah, he said I'd be out there in right field. Yeah, and he used the word service time. Yeah, that was that was. I mean, like well, if the if the union doesn't have a recording of that, I mean they're just not doing it right. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see uh, what the ramifications of that are. I mean, you know, Chris Bryant took it to took it to a grievance and lost. The, the Cubs delayed his arrival for service time. Yeah. So I don't know what kind of a precedent that sets, but uh, yeah, you. I mean, what you said earlier may be true. I may shame them into having to yeah, make, mean, make the team just so that they. Uh, I mean, they can still use the excuse he's only played seventy-one games. And, yeah, and he didn't get any bats. I mean, maybe he didn't get any at bats last year. But they can turn around and say, well, the reason he didn't get any at bats last year is because you didn't call him up because you didn't want to manipula manipulating his service time. Right. Yeah, so then uh, so then he answers the question, kind of explains the guy like how it works. And um, he says he won't commit beyond his free agent years. I wouldn't say he's unhappy, he appreciates the offers. He just refused to sign it. He thinks he's going to be that good, and he thinks he will be a very well player after six years. And there's a touch of derision in his voice when he's saying this. Exactly. That's what I was talking about earlier. He was 
that that was that was baffling the whole tone of that thing. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about Kelnick, it should be we think he's going to be a great player for us. We can't wait for him to get to the major leagues. He's got a ton of charisma and a ton of talent. That's all you got to say about him and Julio Rodriguez. They should have just had Jerry do this because he could have talked for an hour without saying anything appreciable that we would have had to worry about. Um, so then he gets back and they're um, – oh, yeah, they're talking about um, leadership role and he, he, shares, he shares the story about Marco – Throwing a throwing Mike Leak into a locker and telling him not to be a dick because Leak said something during a meeting. And I've had but to be fair, he did not use the word Mike Leak. He just said a veteran pitcher who we traded to Arizona. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which by okay. process of elimination is Mike Leak. Yeah, uh, and and look, Leak. There was problems with Leak in the clubhouse, and and he wasn't a friend to many, and he did have issues with coaches. We wrote about it. And he wanted to get out of there, and I think he was doing that to get out. Um, but I've also had people tell me that Marco didn't do that per se. So yeah, when I, I when I when I heard that, that he pushed him into a locker, yeah, I raised yeah. my eyebrows. So I wondered if he was exaggerating. A yeah, bit. I mean, I, Marco's not that type of guy. I think Marco's a leader, but again, I don't think so. Let me get to this line. Um, uh, let's see here. I thought that's where he called it. He said he's overpaid. It was when he's talking about Kyle Seeger stayed positive with a tremendous attitude. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. And I have to compliment Kyle Seeger. He is a veteran player. He's probably overpaid, but his attitude, and this has been a tough couple of years when we, where we traded veterans and came with young kids who were learning, and Kyle Seeger stayed positive and had a tremendous attitude throughout. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's a great statement. If you just leave out the probably overpaid part, yeah, but I that's, mean, like, what that, the that's hell? All, yeah. Why do you gotta I mean, drop that in? And to say that he won't, you know, did you say? Did he say he won't be back next year, or this is his last? Year? I mean, I, there was. I think that was later. Um, so we yeah, get to the Julie Seeger, his wife, tweeted out. So does this mean we have to sell our house in Seattle? So now you got, you know, Kyle Seeger's wife wondering, uh, you know, <laughs> what's I mean, up, the, what's going on. I don't think that. The, Kyle probably thought he was going to be back next year either, but again, who knows? Um, and we get to Julio Rodriguez. And can we this talk is something. Kyle, can we talk about Kyle, Kyle Raleigh real quick? Because I think oh, that was the... I, well, no, that wasn't. Yet. That's a little bit later because that's after he mispronounces Luis Torrens's name wrong okay. about seventeen right. times. No, we're just, I'm just going down right down the transcript. So somebody asked, "Tell us about Julio Rodriguez." Quote, yeah, it was a, not, again, and uh, that was a that was a. Give me question up on a tee to hit out of the park. Oh, we love Julio. You're gonna, you guys are gonna love Julio. What talent on this kid? And I mean, you talk about charisma. He's got more charisma than anyone in this room. And you know, boom, that's all you need. Hey, careful! You're treading in on Molly from the athletics territory. I'm not telling what people to say here. Um, <laughs> Julio Rodriguez has got a personality bigger than all of you combined. He is loud. His English is not tremendous, Larry. I think Julio's English is pretty good, and I know you did wrote a little bit about this. Talk to me about this a little bit. Yes, that that was the first one where I I went, um, and not the first one, but one of the first ones where I said, okay, he's really stepping in it here. You're asking about Julio, and like the second thing you bring up is his English is not tremendous. His English is tremendous, tremendous, superb. Uh, I did a story in 2019. I they, they, I went to the Arizona Fall League. To uh, I think the Seahawks were playing the uh, the Cardinals, Cardinals, so I went yeah. in a couple of days early. 
so I could do a story on Julio. And I met him in the dugout and did a 25-minute interview all in English. He insists on doing all his interviews all in English because he was a 19-year-old kid who grew up in the Dominican Republic who took it upon himself by studying in his off hours to learn English. And I wrote in the story that I wrote that his English is impeccable, and it was impeccable. And to cite the fact that his English was not, quote, isn't tremendous. I mean, first of all, this is a teenager at the, a teenager who grew up in the Dominican. You shouldn't expect his English to be tremendous and who cares if it's not tremendous, but it is tremendous. So, I mean, that was just offensive to me on a lot of different levels. I mean, he has, he has a heavy accent. It's great. I love the accent part of it, but yeah, it's, you know, does he, he has some, he has some verbal tics that he, he falls back on, but all people do when you're speaking publicly. And this is a kid that should be celebrated. He went through all their programs. Like they, they had him at the academy. They do the high school degree. They do all this stuff. English as a second language. They do all this work. And the first, that's what he, you know, not to get into again, Molly territory, but like you, you know, that should have been celebrated. It's like, hey, look, this kid is what we're trying to do with our Latin players. Like, we have this academy. We spent a ton of money on it. And here we are. And we're teaching them not just baseball, but life skills. And it even gets worse later. But uh, yeah. I was stunned. I mean, like, look, in, in the span of 10 minutes, he alienated his two best prospects. Yeah. The guys that they've been touting. And wanting fans to fall in love with, begging them to fall in love with them because they're going to be here and they're going to save us. And now you have Julio tweeting out uh, the meme of Michael Jordan. And I took offense that or whatever yeah. it was. And about, you know, I, and I took offense. And then, and also, you know, the word motivation. So obviously it struck home with him. And, you know, who, uh, Jared is, was already seemingly not too pleased with not being called up last year. And now he knows he's not going to be called up this year. And by the way, he also said that Julio was not coming up this year, no matter what. And possibly so, said not next year too. Yeah. So that, so there goes, you know, a kid who would be motivated to work his, you know, earn his way onto the team this year by going out and tearing up triple a or double a or wherever he's going to be probably triple a, right. Because the season starts earlier. Yeah. And, now you he reads the team president saying it, some people say he, he's going to be up in 2021 it won't be 2021 it'll be 22 or 23 so that was a you know another unforced error by the team president yeah i was i was just like okay yeah this is this is not going well as we're listening along um yeah, and then he then he also gets into how jealous that uh, or how bothered that kelnick is by uh um Julio being ranked higher than him in Baseball America, and he busts out the uh, it's you know about Kellenick doesn't lack for confidence. Basically, he's calling this kid cocky. I mean, like yeah. or arrogant. And then he says it's the little things like that that bother Kellenick. Maybe, but that I mean, Kellenick's gonna hit bombs this spring. I just know, <laughs> just to spite him, <laughs> just to make their lives miserable. Um, yeah. You know, he does get into the the, the um, he gets into like talking about. Um, fans in the stands and he, he says that um oh this is oh he's talking about safety around t-mobile park and and how people have to be escorted i was like okay whatever um season ticket holders nah, blah 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 
Uh, all right. Lay's asked about Everett. He managed to call Everett Stadium, yeah. Everett Memorial Stadium, a dump. And look, it's an old stadium. It, yeah. It's not great, but you know, you don't have to call it a dump. And then he let it be known that uh, they they entertained overtures from Vancouver and Spokane to be their single yeah. A, other single A team. So I don't know if Everett knew that. He yeah, said, "Well, we like the owner, so we'll just let it happen." Yeah. You know. Yeah, but I mean, Everett wants to draw fans. I don't think it helps to have your parent team talk about how bad your stadium is. Okay. Um, oh. So in the Q&A, we're getting to the uh, Caribbean versus Japan and Korea. This is right here. This is, uh, this is pretty not good. I mean, like, it's not dog whistle stuff, but, like, here's what he says. He's talking about helping players learn English. The question's all about, you know, players from different countries. And he says, some clubs are better than others. 20 years ago, if we signed a 16-year-old kid in the Dominican, we'd send them to a dumpy academy with no hot water rock field. Okay, whatever. Then he was 18 or 19. We'd send him to Peoria, Arizona, put him up at the Hampton Inn and give him $30 a day. Mind you, they didn't have to just give them $30 a day or put yeah. them on a dumpy or rock field. They just did that because they didn't want to spend the money. He doesn't even know how to make change. $30 a day for a per diem. Surprise, surprise. They get in trouble. Well, what kind of trouble? Because they don't know. Yeah, I mean, like you're not helping them because they don't know how to speak yeah. the language. And getting you know, in trouble said, also has a negative has yeah. an implication of you know, trouble, like, what, is it trouble with the law? Or yeah. It... And so he's, like, he's talking about, like, again, so then he starts trumping their um, their academy and talking about English is taught and how that's mandatory and, you know, high school diplomas are mandatory and all this stuff, life skills. Um, but, again, like, he do it in such a way that it just comes off, I'm going to use this word prickish. Sorry, I don't know if that's going to get us in trouble. It comes off sounding prickish. And then we get to the, the Korean, Japanese, Taiwan, my people, the Japanese people. And this is my favorite part. Uh, we typically, it frustrates me, for instance, we just rehired Iwakuma. He was a pitcher for us for a number of years. Thanks. Again, I think these people know. Wonderful human being. His English was terrible. Um, he wanted to get back in the game, came to us. We quite frankly wanted him as our agent scout interpreter. What's going on in the Japanese league guy? He's coming to spring training. And I'm going to say I'm tired of paying his interpreter. When he was a player, we pay you come at X. We'd also have to pay $75,000 a year to have an interpreter with him. His English yeah. suddenly got better. His English got better when we told him for that. No for that. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's just, to me, that's just bad on so many levels. I mean, this pejorative, this pejorative statement that, oh, his English was terrible when he came over here. Well, he's Japanese. His English is not going to be good coming, coming over here. And, and then you're, you're an organization, a billion-dollar organization, and you're going to begrudge a $75,000 interpreter? I mean, you know? And that's high. That's a high salary compared to what he pays other people within that organization that work very important jobs, I might add. Yeah, and I mean, how many ball players have they spent? As I, you know, wrote in my column, tens of millions of dollars to mediocre ball players. This is this is pocket change. This is couch cushion money, uh, and to get that worked up, just to me, that's eyebrow, eyebrow raising, and to and to feel such disdain that he didn't learn English, and to imply that he was basically, you know, sandbagging or 
or pretending not to know English. That was a, you know, that offended me as well. I, I think, I think Ichiro knew a lot more English than Kuma. He was here a lot longer. Yeah, he was here 10 years. Yeah, Kuma didn't, I mean, like, Kuma understands basic things. I've ran into Kuma in, in like, non-baseball events, and, like, I'll say hi to him, and he can, you know, he, yeah. he throws together, he understands rudimentary stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, again, like, he hasn't. And, like, also, these interpreters, they're not just interpreters for these guys to talk to the media. This is right. life. Again, this yeah. is a massive life change. This isn't this isn't Latin kids going to an academy and learning English at a younger age where they're where people are vastly more receptive to learning things. Also, the English language and and Spanish are a lot easier to kind of coexist upon in comparison to Japanese, which is nothing like the English language. And you know, it's like it's just again, I use the word obtuse, but it's just unaware. Like, what yeah. the hell are you thinking? Well, yeah, and, and they need, when you go to the mound, I mean, you want to be able to convey to him the strategy you want to employ. And, uh, and so, so you need an interpreter for that. But yeah, for, for the most part, it's, you know, to, to make life easier. I talked to, the, yeah, to Chris, uh, to, to, to Flexen about his time in Korea, and they provided him with an interpreter over in Korea, and that made his life much, you know, much more manageable. You're being thrust into a, a foreign country. This is an American, one of their, their pitchers. So uh, how, why that bothers you just to me says a little something about, you know, I hate to use the term, but white privilege and, and you know, entitlement and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've said it before. I, I said the story about getting called into Lincoln's office. And I just told him like, you're unaware. Like you don't get it. Like you have no concept of, and this is Kevin. And I, like Kevin always tries to, to portray himself as kind of the everyman type of guy. He likes to have his beers and he likes to, you know, be that guy from university of Wisconsin, loves to talk Wisconsin football and the Packers and such, but like, this is just stupid. And it's just, it's just, there's a disregard for, there's a, in general, there's a whole disregard for his players as people. Yeah. They're right. just widgets to him on a lot of levels. Yeah. And that's just the, and I, do I think he's alone in, in thinking that from ownership groups? No. But again, as we, we've talked about, he just gave the face and a name for that kind of thinking by doing right. that. Well, yeah, it's one thing to not have a filter and to maybe think, yo, I'm just among friends here. And, and that shows, you know, naivete and poor judgment, but that's far less of a problem than what you know, to me than what he said and what it reflects and just a, a, an attitude of, of uh, yeah, of uh, showing exactly what you said, that they're not people to them. We're going to try and wring every dollar out of them. We're going to try and, you know, figure out ways to, 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 to pay them as little as we can, which I'm sure every team does, but again, you know, not quite as uh, public about it. But then the the stuff about the both Julio and Iwakuma uh, comes off a little xenophobic. I'm sorry, what's that? It comes off a little xenophobic. Exactly, it does. And then I mean, going back to when he was talking about the the new catcher that they got from uh, from the Padres, you know, he he raved about him, but he. He called him like four times Luis 
Tor Torres instead of Torrens, which is his yeah. name with an N in it. And then he then he made a crack about Cal Raleigh and about how Cal Raleigh was going to go home uh, for the winter. But then once he saw how good uh, Torres Torres was, he decided to stay. Uh, you know, implying that oh, I was going to go be lazy until I saw how this guy, you know, how good this guy was. Which I'm sure, you know, Cal Raleigh's probably their, you know, their third best prospect as far as timetable to the major leagues behind Gilbert and. Uh, and, and Kelnick, and now, you know, probably annoyed him as well. So it was quite the feat to, to run down this list. I mean, you tweeted out a list of everybody who should have, could have been offended and, or, or pissed off by this. And it was like 10 players deep. Let's go, let's go through the list. We have Jared Kelnick, check. Julio Rodriguez, check. Two pretty important guys. Marco Gonzalez, check. Evan White, check. Kyle Seeger, Yes. Hosashi Iwakuma, who they just hired to be a coach. Japanese players in general. Latin players in general. Taiwan Walker. James Paxton. Luis Torrens. The Major League Baseball Players Association. Everett Memorial Stadium. You tossed in Cal Raleigh. Uh, did we miss anybody? I mean, Mariners fans. And, and not just to mention Mariners fans, because I tweeted this out too, and I know you had the same feeling. He offended every person that works in that organization that works under him because every person in that organization, if they'd done half the crap that this guy has done would have been fired without yeah. pretense or without regrets by Kevin Mather. Right. And, and fans who they just want, you know, I wrote this, they, they just want to, you know, they're, they're not getting a team that's going to win the world series. That hasn't, they haven't gotten to the world series in 40 plus years. They haven't made the playoffs in 20 years. We, we know all that stuff. So it's hard work to be a Mariners fan as it is. But the last thing you want to do is give them something to be ashamed of. And, you know, judging Twitter reaction is sometimes divorced from real life reaction. But the Twitter reaction was, you know, is uniformly negative, outraged, incensed, uh, as I've seen, I don't know, for a long, long time. Uh, you know, and like he provided hashtag fire Mather, yeah. that sort of thing. He provided verification for all the idiocy that they've done in a while. I mean, we've written about it and we've written about all the bad baseball decisions and stuff, but like, you know, this other stuff is just, it just is incompetence and it's, and it, like we've talked about before how they have no cachet. They have no, no benefit of the doubt, no benefit of the doubt. How does this make it better? Like, I don't know. I, I, not only is it doesn't, doesn't make it better. It makes it immeasurably worse because it, here it, it is just a cloud now hanging over the team at a time when this is when you build up the excitement for the season. We're, we're, we're three days into camp and there's already this crisis of the, of the president stepping in it. So they're going to have to do damage control and dig out from this, but this is going to, this is going to linger over this. People aren't going to forget this. And I mean, Mather apologized today, put out a statement, but uh, he, he mentioned that he spent the day <laughs> making phone calls and, and apologizing to people. I mean, but from the list that you made, that's a, <laughs> that might not be accomplished in one day. <laughs> it might be, uh, it might take the whole year if you, uh, you know, if you include all the, the list of everybody that we just talked about. Um, I mean, I, I tweeted this, but if, if you're a player, 
and Kevin Mather is talking to you. I don't even care if he, like, he flies down and does some apology at a socially distanced thing to these players. Like, why would why would they believe him at this point? I mean, if you're Marco Gonzalez, why would you believe him? Yeah. I mean, like, there's there's nothing genuine about this. There's nothing. And I don't think he's going to get fired. Honestly, I, I from stuff I'm hearing, I still don't think they're going to do it. I mean, if they were going to fire him, they would have fired him tonight. You'd think so. I mean, maybe. I maybe mean, I know. John, no, go ahead. It comes down to John Stanton, and maybe he doesn't feel. You know, I'm sure he's not a social media guy. No. So, so maybe he doesn't feel the venom that's being spewed by their fan base. Maybe there's some pressure put on them by sponsors. You know, uh, that's what would that would hit home with the, with, with someone like Stanton. Uh, so maybe tomorrow when he, I don't know if he goes into the office or works from home, but maybe when he starts talking to people, he'll realize that the outrage is greater than he thought. But as of now, yeah, I agree with you. If, uh, if they allowed him to put out a statement of apology, that sort of makes me think that he's going to stay. And I well, think that's a mistake. So like we, so like in inside baseball talk, Larry and I were texting, like I called Larry for whatever reason, my phone didn't work. And then, you know, so we're talking, we finally get a hold. We're talking about this. We didn't know if Larry was going to write all this other stuff. And then, you know, back and forth throughout the day. And then we we're just kind of waiting. And so then Larry, you know, messaged me, says, I'm going to write that they need to fire this guy. I've been listening to this more and more and I just get more angry. And I, I just, I can't believe it every time I listen to this. And it's like, cool, you know, you should write that. And then, you know, sources within the marriage were telling me that he was going to make a statement. You know, they'd, I was told through multiple sources that as soon as this stuff came out, all hell broke loose. I mean, honestly, all hell broke loose. Um, you know, PR went into a meeting with Jerry DePoto. I'm sure they were on conference call with Stanton and Mather and, and figuring out what they're going to do, what they're going to say, what the next action was. Uh, I heard Scott Service was so stressed out, like he was in the gym working out frenetically just because – you know, what, what, what's he going to tell his team tomorrow? So, like, most this stuff came out. Most of the players were gone. Like, if if this had come out at, like, maybe 11 or, you know, whatever, and players are still in the clubhouse, even, you know, how spaced out it is, Larry, you know how that, that clubhouse works. It would have spread like wildfire throughout. Yeah. So a lot of these people, you know, a lot of players are not there, and, and I'm sure some of them aren't commenting. I know Julio did, but Kellnick's been pretty quiet. But – I just like what is service going to tell these guys in the morning? I mean, their 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 president just took a dump on them for most of it and aired everything that you're not supposed to air and all this stuff and all this background and like, I mean, I just don't know where you go from here, especially because it doesn't look like he's going to be done. Yeah, no, I know. Because so, and, like, I yeah, like that's it. You know, go ahead. No, that's a great test for service. I mean, that's yeah, a tricky situation. He's already in a bad situation, anyways, because the people that like Mather wouldn't spend the money to make the team better, and that there's already veterans pissed because they weren't getting any better, and so now he's got to go in and say, "Look, you know," because Fangraphs had him at a zero point zero chance to make the playoffs. I'm sure that wasn't happy either. Well, zero point zero was to win the division. Oh yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> okay, I think to three, make the playoffs like three point two. Yeah, wow. yeah, make the playoffs was like two point eight. But uh, um, <laughs> uh, I think. If I put myself in his shoes, I think the thing that I might tell him to, to I know you don't want me to put one. <laughs> Yeah, I know. No, go, go ahead. Is uh, listen, always got is each other. Let's yeah. band together and show, the, show them 
let's show the world that we're uh, better than people think and that you know let's show the president that we deserve this or that or whatever and uh you know maybe you can light a fire under him that way i suppose yeah i mean that's i and, and you can try and bunker in the us against the world mentality but when it's us against the people that pay your checks it's a little bit difficult you know this isn't like major league i mean it was a great storyline but they're not you know they're not removing slips of paper and at the end of the day talent still matters and the people that the guy that made this comment made sure that they didn't have as much talent as they should have right um, what do you think well, so like i was gonna say like so when larry and i were sitting there we were we were texting back and forth or messaging back and forth about the rest of the night and we're like talking about like you know when the larry was gonna have to post this what we were wondering whether Matt, because we were, you know, I was texting with the Mariners quite often asking, hey, are you going to make a statement? You got to make a statement. And, and the Mariners are quite good at making like the worst possible statement. You remember the uh, Howard Lincoln statement after Jeff's story about all the dysfunction when I first started the job? That was a, that was a doozy of a <laughs> one there. That was, and we had told them that the story was coming and they still managed to mess that one up. Granted, it wasn't it wasn't like our good friend, like my, a couple of my friends that work in PR that like, I know they weren't, didn't like that. But anyway, so like Larry and I are sitting there thinking, well, is he going to resign? Would he announce his resignation? I'm kind of like, I don't really so not him. He can withstand anything. And so like, I'm telling Larry, like he probably got to write this before Casey resigns or what if he's fired. And, yeah. and when they didn't fire him tonight and they allowed him to send out that, that made me think that he's not going to get fired. At yeah, I mean, right the, team will, the team will have to put out a statement, so that will be very interesting to see. I mean, I would assume they would have to put put out a statement, right? Don't you think? Uh, yeah. It's incumbent but, upon them? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they said they're going to do it tomorrow. Um, okay. But let's, let's, let's take a look at his statement for a second, Larry, because I, I know – and it was kind of funny. Like I'm trying to write, you know, I post a statement. I'm trying to update the story, and um, and all of a sudden I kind of get, you know, you get notifications from people um, that you follow. And Bill Shaken tweets to me exactly what I was writing. But Smather says, you know, he he offers the apology to the Mariners organization, players, and fans. No excuse for my behavior, and I take full responsibility for my lapse in judgment. My comments were my own. They do not reflect the views and strategy of the Mariners baseball leadership who are responsible for decisions about the development and status of the players at all levels of the organization. Larry, what's Kevin Mather's title again? Uh, he is president and chief executive officer. So he has how many bosses? <laughs> One. One, right? <laughs> Well, I guess you could say the ownership group, but essentially but, it's, yeah, it's, it's one the representative guy. of that group is John Stanton. Yeah. John Stanton is the majority owner and chairman of the Mariners. Yes, Chris Larson has the he is the leader of the minority ownership group, but ostensibly, Kevin Mather has one boss. He's the boss to Jerry Depoto. I mean, he approves anything that Jerry Depoto wants to do. Him and John Stanton. He's in so charge how, of baseball operations, basically, yeah, and and also uh, stadium operations. Yeah, he's in charge of all the business aspects of this. So. How can his comments not reflect the views and strategy of the Mariners baseball leadership if he's the leader? He's the second-ranking member of the baseball leadership. I'm confused. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a valid question. And then what was the term he used? A lapse in judgment? Or Yeah. Okay. Might I point out a little context here? In Jeff Baker, 
in 2018 had a big expose, a different expose than the one you were referring to, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, you, you were referring to the Zarensic one earlier. Yes. This is the one where uh, Jeff wrote about the accusations uh, um, of inappropriate workplace conduct by several women against uh, three top executives, including Kevin Mather. Yes. And, right? And, yes. Uh, yes. And Jeff went into great detail. We linked to that story in my column. Uh, and, you know, he could well not have survived that incident. The actual incident happened in 2009 when he was not the president, but it wasn't revealed until 2018 when he was the team president. And, you know, he, they, they admitted to that there had been some complaints and uh, Jeff wrote that there were financial settlements in excess of $500,000 to two women. And, you know, they, 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 nothing happened. And then you had the Lorena Martin uh, lawsuit later that same year where he, where the team that he was the president of was accused of sexism and racism. So, uh, I mean, they've had, they've had uh, things that would get a lot of executives into big trouble before. This is, you know, the third thing that uh, that you could call a an incident that would make one wonder if you could survive. I, I yeah, I, I mean, you kind of call it strike three or whatever. Yeah, it's it's like, and I, and I don't think honestly that those complaints are alone. Uh, about Kevin still, I don't think, I think he offends many people still. Um, the mayor is good at lawyering. I mean, if, if their lawyers were, you know, if their players were half as good as their lawyers, they'd have a World Series because they, they have good lawyers and they've had good lawyers for a long time. Like you, you want to talk about all these, these complaints and the non-disclosure agreements. You talk about um, the kind of management of the Soto area and pushing uh, reputable businesses from not being able to build their, you know, bars, restaurants to take away from their uh, dollars, all those kinds of things. I mean, like they have good lawyers and this whole situation is just kind of, it just, it just furthers this whole, this whole kind of mess that they like they, they have. And every time like you think that it goes quiet and they don't do anything, you know, like, okay, maybe they, you know, there's, it's not going to be an issue anymore. It just—it's like the dumpster fire is rekindled, and and it's just—it's so stupid, and and, and so the, avoidable. And the shame is one that they have a lot of good people in that organization who are you know be you know like tarred by the same brush. And two is they've as an organization they've done lots of admirable things like this uh, hometown nine program that they yeah. started recently. That's tremendous, you know, uh, which is. Uh, having uh, mentoring for, for youngsters uh, of, of color with ball players themselves, uh, helping them out and providing them with uh, baseball opportunities and, and mentorship, you know, things like that, that they, they do a lot of good in the community. They do. How could you and even have, how could you even have him come out and like speak about this stuff though? After all this, like, you know, again, like yeah. you're, you're doing something about, you're doing about something about, you know, they're big on domestic violence. You know, so like, how can you have this guy that's the president and CEO that you have to 
to have him go out and then you run the risk of him saying something or the fact that now he's perceived so negatively that that it's counterproductive to put him out there it got that way with chuck armstrong unfortunately i love chuck but chuck was so brazen at times and so willing to speak his mind when it didn't follow what the mariners wanted to represent that they they stopped making him available because they didn't know what he was going to say yeah when you have a when you have somebody like mather that you that that now will cast an even more negative uh persona that's a problem for the organization because he is the he is out front there as the team president and if that's problematic that's another reason to remove him from that position because you need to have somebody out front who represents the team in a way that fans can uh, rally behind and you don't have that now you probably didn't before so do you, th- do you think he's going to get fired tomorrow no you talked me out of it. <laughs> you talked uh, me out of it. I did. There was a stretch there tonight where I was pretty sure he was going to, but uh, uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I mean, Stanton will probably sleep on it tonight. And I don't know if they've had an emergency meeting of the of the board or whatever, but uh, um, it would be it would probably be a good statement to the to the players in the clubhouse who aren't, aren't too happy right now i don't know how it works i i assume as as a ceo he has minority ownership stake can they i mean Kevin, Mather? yeah i would assume you know he generates no some idea. of that but like is there any i mean firing somebody that has minority ownership i think he can still fire him from his position without you know he can still remain in the ownership group. i think he's still you know, i think ultimately doesn't john stanton have that option my guess is there's probably some horrible buyout or something they have to pay where he actually makes money by doing it well i guess it usually comes down to whether it's for cause i mean that's a that's something lawyers fight fight over with like football coaches and things like that about whether you have to pay the remainder of the contract or not but i have no this is that's an area where i don't have much expertise I mean, it's yeah. it's hard, like you said, for all the public perception reasons, it's hard to understand why they, they keep him. And, and, like, again, we've talked about this. This organization doesn't do things logically all the time. Um, and maybe they're waiting for the reaction. Um, I guess if if sponsors started dropping because he's the president, maybe they have to act. But, again, it shouldn't come to that, should it, Larry? No, no, it shouldn't. I mean, this, you know, I'm sure that, Mather and Stanton have worked together a long time. I'm sure there's enough, you know, there's mutual affection between the two. I'm sure it's hard. It would be hard for Stanton to fire somebody like Mather, who has been with the team. They both have been with the team for a long time, and they've been through a lot together. But that's that's kind of the good old boy network that people complain about too. I mean, at work there, uh, I, I to me it's it's cut and dry. What, what he said, on top of the other things, uh, should make him somebody that mayors don't want representing the team as the president. Yeah, this isn't like a one-time mistake. Okay, again, like saw a former radio host on on Twitter saying, "He make guy makes a mistake, you're gonna cancel him or whatever." And the word "cancel" has just been ruined by politics, but. Um, this isn't a one-time deal. I, I just don't know what the thinking process is. Well, I know why. Um, I watch Casino 
the other night, last night, Martin Scorsese. Uh, truth be told, like there wasn't a whole lot on because our condo doesn't have cable. It only has like movies and streaming. So I found a, I found Casino and I watched the first 20 minutes and then the last 10 minutes because those are the best parts. You know, when they're out doing all the narration and stuff. And, is that the uh, one with Sharon Stone? Is that yeah, Stone? and Joe yeah. Pesci, Robert De Niro. And Robert De Niro is the, the gambler, Ace Rothstein, and Joe Pesci's narrating. He goes, he's a tremendous earner. <laughs> you know, and they talk about that earners, you know, they, Kevin Mather is a tremendous earner for the Mariners. That's what he sold himself on to become the, the president CEO when he was the vice president, when that was open, when Chuck left, he, he sold himself on the idea that he was going to make this team money, even when the team was bad and that he could do that with different thinking and shrewdness. And honestly, I think John Stanton, I mean, I know John Stanton can be pretty ruthless as a business guy, but for the most part, People I've talked to around his other businesses say he's pretty, you know, laid back, amenable type of guy. And Kevin's the, hat, Kevin's the hatchet man. He does all the, the stuff that uh, nobody wants to do. And I think he kind of enjoys it on some level. So, I mean, there's purpose why he's there um, and why he's remained there when it's been so, when it's been, again, like as we pointed out, many other people would have been fired a long time ago. There has to be a reason why he's still there. And I think it's because he's a tremendous earner. Well, it reminds me of Roger Goodell. You know, there was a period there where everyone was really down on Goodell. His penalties, you know, that he would impose on people were, were ridiculed. And, and people couldn't believe that he was still, that the owners wouldn't get rid of him. But it was obvious he was making them billions of dollars with his business strategy. So they could put up with some mistakes that he made. Uh, it's, I think this is, I mean, that, this may be a similar situation. Do you think he's the president in a week? <laughs> if he's a president in a day, I would imagine he'll be a president in a week. I, I mean, yeah. I think he's gonna, if he makes it past tomorrow, I think he'll be president in a week. Yeah, you? Just write it out and hope that people forget. Yeah, well, I mean, again, if he's the president, they have enough to make the decision tomorrow, tonight or tomorrow. So if they're not going to do it, I don't think that, no, I think they'll just, yeah, just move on and and hope people eventually will forget. And, uh, the fact that, you know, everybody has the Mariners predicted for 90 losses. I wrote about that earlier. The, you know, Dakota and all the projection systems have them for it. I think 89, 90, or 91 losses, which is going to compound matters because even with the, you know all the happy talk about the, the prospects coming in the future, it's going to you know, it could well be another struggling year, and uh, that's not exactly going to win over fans <laughs> to, to the to the Mariners' cause. You know, the winning forgives a lot in this in the sports world, and. You know, if they were on the verge of winning the pennant this year, everything coming together, you know, that would help uh, this blow over. But there's a very good chance it's going to be the opposite. So there's just going to be more uh, acrimony from fans if that happens. I mean, Panther did say did say that he expects the second half of this coming year to be better than the first as they as guys like Kelnick and Gilbert get better from their experience of being up in the major leagues. That's what they need to happen is to have those guys leave you with a good feeling for, for next year. But, but you, I mean, it's easy to see, we've talked about it ad nauseum about how this season 
doesn't look good and how in how it could blow up on them. Yeah, I mean, I I still think they're a ninety loss team. They might be interesting ninety loss team. You know, there is that aspect of it. Like, you know, For they, sure, they have, yeah. those young kids come up and they lose games, but they're interesting. They play hard. They, that's fine. Um, but I just, I just, and you know what? I, I there are a ton of fans saying I'll never watch this team again if they keep Mather and all that stuff. But if the team gets good, everybody comes mm-hmm. back. Take For sure. Game. I I don't know if they're gonna get good. Honestly, I don't know. I think they're eventually going to get good. I really do. I mean, you you've, you do have two genuine stars that are going to be in their outfield within two years. I mean, it would be hard to see those guys bombing out, Kelnick and Julio. They've got enough pitching coming, I think. And, uh, and they have uh, a payroll that can – that can grow. That's going to be the test to me is the commitment of ownership to truly go out and get some, I mean, imagine these young players, then you add two marquee players, you go out and say, okay, we're going for it this year. We're going to sign uh, a great shortstop and a great pitcher. It's going to cost us $300 million, but we're going to do it. I mean, that's what they're going to have to do. And then you add that to the, to the core that's coming. Then I think you have something. I'm uh I was just kind of looking at that email about the delayed service thing. Maybe they I will. Looked at it, yet. it just says he's going to be after workout time. Maybe they will. Maybe they're going to send out a statement saying that he's been removed. I don't know. Um, I just think like they're. This is my thinking. I don't think they want to fire him. I because again, earner, tremendous earner, Ace Rothstein, tremendous. <laughs> I don't think they want to fire him, but I think it might come to the point where they're like, we have to do this because I, I Possibly. Like, you know, like I said, I, I, all the transgressions in the past, he would have been fired in the first place. So I, the, he's made it this far. There's a reason why he made it this far. There's maybe a reason why they think they can weather this again because they can come out and say, I was like, well, no, this was taken out of context or this isn't really what he meant, but the context is there. In most yeah. of the context, it was un like I, yeah, the, I, I, I use the phrase video. unforced unforced error. Oh, the questions video. weren't even hard. They weren't even. No. Uh, he offered in, up the he offered yeah. up the idiocy on himself. Exactly, and the context is he said it. What more context do you oh, need? Well, and I, it's right there for for everyone. Maybe maybe they think they can withstand it. You know, make it five more days, and then games start, and everybody starts focusing on games and stuff. I, I don't know. But... I, and, I mean, again, you have a situation where they're not... There's no need this year to sell 30,000 tickets a night because there's not going to be a stadium open for that many. So I don't know if that's a factor in their decision or not. You know, uh, you don't have to worry about the ticket buying public for another year because of COVID. I mean, you'll... How many... Maybe they'll have 10,000 a night. I mean, you could find 10,000 people to watch a baseball game anytime, anywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't, I'm very curious what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, I I was pretty certain listening to, you know, talking with some sources in the organization that he wasn't going to be fired. 
wasn't going to be fired. And then, you know, you think about it, maybe they're just waiting to see. And maybe they ought, they're waiting to see if they had some contact from sponsors saying, you know, we're not going to yeah. do this. That would be, you know. But he's, He certainly wouldn't be the first person to issue an apology and think that that was going to get him off the hook and then find out it didn't. Well, it, was uh, pretty, it was a pretty crappy apology anyways. Yeah. But... <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I think a lot will be determined by what kind of feedback Stanton senses and what, what he's hearing from his people. You know, he's in, he's, he hears from movers and shakers if, if he gets a bunch of uh, texts and calls saying, you got to get rid of this guy. You know, maybe, maybe that will happen. Maybe, maybe a Sunday afternoon isn't the day to, to, to feel that. I mean, he's on the boards with all those guys like at Costco. He's buddies with all those guys at Costco and at Nordstrom, and he's on a ton of boards. I mean, he's going to – I mean, he's, he's around with the, some of the most prominent people in the community. And if, if Kevin Mather makes the Mariners radioactive to where these teams don't want to get around him, I mean, like, again, I, I just think it's, it's simple. Like, the guy put his foot in his mouth, and I don't think he even cared that it was in his mouth because he just kept talking, you know. And and granted, I don't, I don't, I, he may have thought that the forum was off the record or non, or you know, casual, but it's on a computer. It's yeah. Just, and I mean, and it, again, even if he thought it was off the record, and 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 I've talked with him off the record, and he's he said a lot of things to me off the record. These are indicative of how he truly thinks and how the organization truly yeah. thinks. I don't care what. I don't care what he says in his apology. He's the president, and this is how the organization is steered. I just yeah. don't know that you walk that back. Like, there's any way to walk it back and sit there and say this all is better, especially because it's a win. I agree with you 100%. And it's amazing. I mean, well, February 5th was when he spoke. That was 16 days ago. I mean, I, I was wondering today, did Kevin Mather wake up realizing today the day was the day that his career would hang in the balance? I mean, he probably had no clue. Well, I think but he's woke was, up that a couple times, but yeah, still. Um, I mean, there was no probably no sign that this was going to explode. He spoke two, over two weeks ago. Uh, who, who, you know, I had no clue. How would anyone know what was said at the Bellevue Breakfast Club, which I, which I actually was a guest speaker two years ago there. Uh, it's not the sort of thing where you think you're going to uh, end up, uh, you know, sabotaging your your career it's a very friendly audience with softball questions and um you know you, you you have some danish and say a few words and that's it uh but here it just uh, it took a while that's just there's too many like you said there's just too many ways of finding stuff like that too many people who are too smart about finding anything that was said and if it was objectionable, the world will find out about it. And they did. Well, we'll wait and find out tomorrow. Uh, it's 1140 here in Arizona. 10, I mean, 1040 in, in Washington. Larry's, Larry's been usually asleep well past this. It's way past my old man bedtime, especially since I have physical therapy tomorrow at 730. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we, you don't have to worry about early Zoom call with service tomorrow because it's been delayed. So yeah, um, nice. next time I have, we, bad, I have a bad knee, just to clarify why I'm going to yeah, physical therapy. I've yeah. been having knee problems. Yeah. Um, hopefully the next time we talk to you, it's not about this. But again, if they were to 
honestly, though, if they turf Kevin Mather, it's not like we need to have an emergency podcast on this. This was just so out yeah. of the blue. I felt like we had to do it. So next time, hopefully we're talking about baseball. I'll actually have insights of being on the field and seeing guys. And yeah. we'll go from there. So, all right. All right. Okay. Well, glad to do it. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. All right. Here is the now infamous speech slash Q&A from Kevin Mather, Mariner CEO, to the Bellevue Breakfast Rotary Club. It was done on February 5th and uploaded to YouTube on February 19th. Go Mariners. Our, our speaker this morning is Kevin Mather, who's the president and CEO of the Mariners. His bio is online, so I'm not going to go through that, but I'm going to go through something else that I heard recently from Kevin when he made a uh, – he did actually an interview with Junior Achievement that was a virtual interview that a lot of people attended. Uh, Kevin's a, a university – a UW graduate, but it's Wisconsin, not Washington. Uh, he was the first in his uh, family to be a college graduate, and after uh, after he got out, he went to work for KPMG. Uh, one of the clients that KPMG had that he worked on was the Polad company. Uh, Carl Polad, the owner of the company, was a self-made man and was a, was, is a, was a billionaire before he passed away. Uh, he was also the owner of the Minnesota Twins. And after one year with the Polad company, uh, Carl asked Kevin to go to work for the Twins. And Kevin did. And he was there for five or six years, during which they won a World Series in 1991. The cool thing about the relationship was that Kevin always thought of Carl as a mentor. And Carl really had a great friendship with Kevin and mentored him throughout his, throughout his career until he passed away in 2009. So we hope Mr. Polad rests in peace and we look forward to Kevin sharing the sea change going on with the Seattle Mariners. Kevin, please take it away. Bob, thank you for that. Um, um, that is, a, it, it was a great relationship. I miss him very much. Um, um, and those were some fun times at the uh, Minnesota Twins. Uh, but the fun times are coming to the Seattle Mariners. Uh, John, thanks for the Bob Euchre bobblehead. Um, and I love the Mariner hats and the, um, Mariner uniforms I'm seeing out there amongst the group. Thank you for that. Um, good morning. Thanks for having me back. I can only assume there are fans out there amongst the BBRC since uh, every spring we either Jerry DePoto or I come over and give a preview and, and, and the questions this group asks are of the highest quality. I thought I'd ramble a little bit uh, and then throw it out there and answer your questions. I, my next meeting is at 10. So, um, um, a, a, as people drop off, I will, uh, uh, answer questions until we're done. Really three topics. I'm going to touch briefly on 2020 and what the 2020 experience was. Uh, briefly tell you what 2021 looks like because my guess is that will change. And then end on a high note. I'll tell you about the team and where we think we are. 2020, um, a terrible year financially. We played 60 games, no fans. We actually had uh, the forest fire smoke 
was so bad that we ended up playing five of our 30 home games on the road. Um, but I'm reminded of two things. One, no one cares if wealthy sports team owners lose money. You know, shut up and move on. And number two, I'm reminded of a, a Tiger Woods putt. Uh, those of you that are golfers know what I'm talking about. It's on a commercial now on television. It's TPC Sawgrass. And Tiger Woods hits this long putt down the hill. And the announcer says, that's pretty good. Long pause. And he says, better than most. And then the putt falls in the hole and the crowd goes crazy. Um, why do I think of that better than most commercial? It's because the Mariners, as bad as our year was financially in 2020, <clears throat> we were better than most. Um, and I attribute that to, to luck, better lucky than good. Uh, it was a low year. We were at the very bottom of our rebuild step back cycle. So our payroll was as low as it was going to get. Thank goodness. And we also have a television deal with Root Sports, and we punch well above our weight on the television deal. We had 60 games, and we, per game, got a lot more than we probably deserved as compared to other similar-sized markets. So terrible year financially, but we did better than most of the other professional sports teams. Second thing and last thing I'll say about 2020, uh, when we decided to play 60 games, Every team was allowed 60 players to bring to summer camp. It was a spring training summer camp. Um, you were going to have 26 to 28 players on your major league roster, and you were going to have 30 to 32 players on your taxi squad. And the protocols, you know, they got tested every other day. Uh, they, they weren't in a bubble, but they were in a bubble. And the taxi squad was the same way. They were down in Tacoma at Cheney Stadium, but they were in a bubble and tested it. Um, we made the decision when we invited the 60 players, we made the decision to invite 15 prospects. We, uh, our top prospects were all in Tacoma for, you know, summer camp was 30 days and then Tacoma was a 60 day practice, exhibition game. We brought 18, 19, 20-year-old kids who never would have seen uh, T-Mobile Park or Cheney Stadium if not for COVID. And so as devastating as 2020 was on player development and getting better, we took a risk and brought kids in, our, our high-end prospects, and really got to know them. They got high-end instruction in Tacoma. The risk was if our major league team had had a COVID outbreak or you know, injuries and we had to call people up from the taxi squad, we were a little short on players because there was no chance you were going to see these young players at T-Mobile Park. We weren't going to put them on the 40-man roster. We weren't going to start the service time clock. There were all kinds of reasons that if we would have had an injury uh, problem or a COVID outbreak, you might have seen my big tummy out there in left field. You would not have seen our young players, our prospects, playing at T-Mobile Park. Um, the risk paid off. We uh, had a great year in development for 15 of our prospects. Um, 
as the season went on, other general managers around the league realized they missed an opportunity, and they went to the commissioner and asked to expand the taxi squads, add 10 more people to the taxi squads. The commissioner pondered it for a few days and concluded it wasn't worth the risk. So uh, I would like to thank uh, Jerry DePoto and our baseball department, but but on the bright side of 2020, we did uh, better than most of the clubs as far as player development. Uh, thank goodness 2020 is behind us. Let's move on to 2021. And I am, uh, I'm going to end this the same way I started. I'm embarrassed to tell you that spring training starts on February 17th. Pitchers and catchers report to Arizona, the state with the highest, uh, COVID infection rate in the union. Uh, but on February 17th, the pitchers and catchers will report. Uh, there is a new spring training schedule coming out. Don't buy your plane ticket quite yet. One, the schedule is going to change, and two, it is not clear that we can have fans in Peoria, Arizona. Seventy-five players will be invited to spring training. Um, no minor league uh, spring training until the major league team leaves to start the season. So minor league spring training will start in April after the major league team uh, comes to T-Mobile Park, uh, reduce the risk of infection. Our opening day is April 1st here at T-Mobile Park. We will play a 162-game season, as normal as normal can be. Uh, our interleague opponent is the National League West. There will be no expanded playoffs, no designated hitter in the National League, no seven-inning doubleheaders, no runner on second base in extra innings. Yes, the Union and Major League Baseball could not come to an agreement to push the season back. We tried to push the season back a month so that the players would be vaccinated coming out of spring training, end of April, start the season in early May, play a 154-game season. We could not come to an agreement, and that I will end 2021's um, introduction by saying that is also embarrassing. Um, finally, on a, on a high note, I'm going to uh, talk about the team. Uh, we think we are in a fantastic spot. We believe the American League West is on its way down. We believe the Mariners are on their way up. This could be a lot of fun for a lot of years. Um, 2021 is probably a stretch as far as making the playoffs, but a, a few highlights. First base, we have Evan White, gold glove first baseman, and he struggled at the plate last year statistically, but the analytics department will tell you that he is a fantastic hitter, uh, and he hit the ball hard and had a lot of uh, bad luck snake bites last year. Uh, he's going to be a good hitter. Don't worry about Evan White. Dylan Moore will be at second base or our utility player, uh, perhaps left field in April. We are trying to sign a second baseman as we speak. Uh, J.P. Crawford is a gold glove shortstop. Kyle Seeger, this is probably his last season as a Mariner. Uh, he will, and I've already told him, he will be a Mariner Hall of Famer when he's done playing. Uh, and last year he seemed to find the fountain of youth, had a fantastic year. We expect the same in 2021. We traded with the 
Padres last July and picked up a catcher named Luis Torres. Luis Torres is a fantastic catcher. He's young. He's controllable. Uh, and he had such a good uh, breakout with the Seattle Mariners that our minor league catcher of the future, Cal Raleigh, decided to stay. He was going to go home at the end of September, and he decided to stay and go down to Arizona and, and work in the camp because he realized that the uh, his playing time might be uh, shortchanged by Luis Torres. Uh, we picked up Ty France in the Padres trade, third base, DH, second base, first base. Uh, I really want to remind everybody of Mitch Haniger. Mitch Haniger was an all-star in 2018, uh, was off to a great start in 2019, had a devastating injury, has been out for 19 and 20. He is healthy. He is in the best shape of his life. He will be in right field, and I have no doubt an all-star in 2021. Uh, Mitch Haniger has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder uh, as we talk about our prospects and these young kids, he's he's mentioned more than once. What about me? Um, in center field, we have Kyle Lewis. He was the rookie of the year last year. Kyle Lewis is a great human being, and Kyle Lewis will push himself to get better. On the uh, pitching staff, we have Marco Gonzalez signed to a long-term deal. Marco Gonzalez is very quietly, very boring, but Marco Gonzalez might be the second or third best left-handed starter in the American League. He has very quietly put up fantastic numbers. Justice Sheffield is also a starting pitcher for us. He would have been the rookie of the year last year if not for Kyle Lewis taking the award from him. I enjoyed whispering that in his ear as we uh, uh, made a presentation on the field last September. Uh, Kikuchi, our Japanese pitcher, was much better last year. His numbers didn't show it, but he will be one of our starting pitchers. We will run a six-man rotation like we did last year, and we are in the process of trying to sign yet another starting pitcher in the next week or so. We've made several additions to our bullpen. Um, on the minor league side, Jared Kalanick, we've been talking about him for a year and a half now. He will be in left field in April. He's a 21-year-old player who um, uh, is quite confident. We offered him a long-term deal, six-year deal for substantial money with options to go farther. And um, after pondering it for several days and talking to the union, he has turned us down. And in his words, uh, he's going to bet on himself. He thinks after six years he's going to be such a star player that the seventh, eighth, ninth year options will be undervalued. He might be right. He might be right. We offered uh, and he turned us down. Uh, on the mound in April, you won't see him on April 1st, but in by, by mid-April you will see a young man named Logan Gilbert. Um, he's the real deal. He's a top-of-the-rotation pitcher, uh, and I can't wait to see him at T-Mobile Park. I mentioned Cal Raleigh. Cal Raleigh is our catching prospect. He will be here sometime in 2021. He's a switch hitting catcher uh, that we really think highly of him, and Luis Torres will probably share the duty for the next six years. Uh, and then finally, in the uh, San Diego trade, we picked up a young man named Taylor Trammell. Taylor Trammell, um, first time I met him, I thought he was in the wrong field. He looked like a tight end for the Seahawks. He's a 
six foot four, 220 pounds chiseled. Um, but he's an outfielder that will be here in 2021, uh, probably back half of the season. Uh, the point of all this is we have young players, very highly thought of young players that will be here in 2021. And as they learn and grow, we think the back half of 2021 will be better than the front half of 2021. Uh, before I close, prospects, prospects. We started the step back plan in August of 2018. We have gathered prospects. It's uh, been an expensive and I know painful process for our fan base. Um, but we have in the top 100 baseball America. Now, when you're, when you're lousy in your minor leagues, you dismiss baseball America and say, ah, you know, we'll see what happens. Kids change, kids grow up. But, uh, since we have six of the top 100, we, we don't dismiss it. We, uh, speak quite highly of it. There's 30 teams in baseball and the Mariners have six of the top 100. I can do the math on that. We're uh, uh, doing quite well. We actually have two in the top ten. Um, these players arrive in 21, 22, 23, which gets to my point. I think this is going to be a lot of fun for a long time. Uh, we will offer long-term contracts. We did a long-term deal with um, Marco Gonzalez. We did a long-term deal with Evan White. When I, when I say a long-term deal, he had not played a game in Major League Baseball, and we signed him to a $24 million contract, overpaying him in year one, two, and three, fair in year four, five, and six. And then if he's a superstar, we have the option to sign, to, to exercise and keep him in year seven, eight, and nine. Now, weep not for Evan White. But if he's a superstar, we're only going to pay him $15, $16 million a year. On the free agent market, he might get $22, $24 million a year. So we took the risk in the early years, and he took the risk that he's a superstar in the later years of his contract, and he's probably underpaid. Um, He took a lot of heat for signing that deal. The union really pushed back and said, don't do it. but I like Evan White. He's a nice young man, and he made the comment. He said, I have $23 million guaranteed. That changes a person's life. I'm signing the deal. And if I'm good and they pick up my options, I'll have $55 million guaranteed. That changes my family, my grandkids' lives. Um, I like the young man. Uh, we will offer more long-term deals. And uh, there's a certain picture that I won't mention who was in the bullpen at T-Mobile Park during our summer camp. And this was reported by one of the coaches. The players were sitting around talking about Evan White, and, you know, he made a mistake signing this long-term deal and da-da-da. And this particular pitcher, who is um, going to be here in 2022, he said, if somebody offers me $23 million guaranteed, Find me a pen as fast as you can. I'm signing. So we're going to do that. Our ownership is committed. We're eager to to sign these players up. We're willing to take that risk. Some will win on, some will lose on, but we're going to try to get three or four more players uh, signed on these long-term deals over the next two years. Finally, in closing, um, I think we're on the verge of something special. Uh, I know our fans have been patient. I know our fans are frustrated. They have stuck with us. They have been loyal. 
um, and they deserve a winning team. We're going to get there. Um, and it's not going to be a one year. Uh, we're going to, we've got talent stacked up and spread out at, at various ages and levels in our minor leagues that we think we can consistently win. Uh, we also have an ownership group that is committed to winning and they will spend money. When we, when we need to go get a starting pitcher or a free agent left fielder, we'll go do that. Um, so we're very much looking forward to delivering to our fan base. I close with the, the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. Good for them. Fantastic. And they had a heck of a parade. Uh, Bob opened with the story of, of the twins and, and the, uh, World Series. We had a parade in Minnesota. And when you win a World Series, it's a month long process. There's a best of five series, best of seven series, best of seven series, and it goes for a month. So when we win the World Series, as much as I liked the Seahawks parade and them winning the Super Bowl, that parade will look like a neighborhood Fourth of July parade because when we win this World Series, we're going to do it right, and I'm looking forward to delivering. Um, with that, I, you, this group always has great questions. Um, best process is for me to read them, or do you want to, uh, uh, people just to speak up? I'll, I'll do anything you want. I'm, I'm available all morning. We, we can have people speak up. Thank you, Kevin. And there are a couple of questions from the chat. So, uh, John, do you want to start with your question? Yeah, Kevin, what about uh, getting to go to games? And if people can go to games, are they going to have to wear a mask for three or four hours outdoors? Um, it's a question I don't know the answer to. We have worked closely with the city, the county, the health officials. Um, the Seahawks tried to get fans for their playoff game. And um, I told my staff, I said, let's just hold their coat and stay out of this one. Um, and they were not able to do it. We have designs, uh, socially distanced T-Mobile Park will hold 9,870 fans. Um, the question, the, the real question is, do we, do we have to stay away from the field? Do we have to be back six rows? Um, and those are pods of four. Um, I'm afraid one of the issues the county is going to have us do, at least in April, and perhaps May is the pot of four has to be from the same household. And, you know, how do we enforce that? Um, um, we're working closely with the county health officials. Um, some, some ballparks will have fans, uh, Texas, Florida, they will have fans. Um, and not as socially distanced as, as perhaps we will be at T-Mobile Park. The state of California, we don't think they're going to have fans all year. Uh, so we're working on it. My best guess is small in April, uh, bigger in May, bigger in June, perhaps big crowds in July, August, and let's hope in September we're pushing for a playoff spot and we have big crowds in September. That's my guess that it'll phase in. And my guess is a uh, mask will probably be mandatory in the first half. But that's all, you know, I, I'm still hoping to have fans in Arizona. And that's, that's the end of the month. We wish, we really wish, 
um, we talked to the national health officials. Um, I'm not supposed to say his name, but the commissioner talked to, to Dr. Fauci. And if we could have pushed spring training back a month, Dr. Fauci thought that the players would be vaccinated before they left at the end of April. And we could start early May and have our players vaccinated. We could not come to an agreement on that. So just as a heads up, guys, if you have questions, please feel free to ask and don't just raise your hand because I can't see who is raising hands. So just jump in and ask your questions away, please. So, um, Kevin, what was the players' um, union's position on why they didn't want to move back spring training? Um, that's an interesting question. The players are worried that they won't get paid. We offered to play 154 games. There would have been some doubleheaders on Saturday, and they would have been seven-inning doubleheaders uh, on Saturdays. Play 154 games. We will pay them for 162 games. We'll pay them for all of it. Um, there is a chance the commissioner can cancel the season. He can cancel games. He can cancel the season. He has that authority. Let's say the... Uh, um, South African COVID virus, which is, uh, uh, is getting people's attention. That comes to the United States, takes over, and we have to shut down. Airplanes are grounded. Um, at that point, the commissioner is going to have to cancel at least a certain number of baseball games. And as he told me the other day, he said, um, if I, if we play a 10 game season and I tell the owners that they have to pay the players for 162 games, I better have my resume updated. Um, the players wanted a guaranteed 162 games and the commissioner basically said that's a non-starter. There, there's, I can't take that risk. Um, there is a high level of distrust between the union and the management currently and uh i'm very worried about uh, what's coming in the future here good question i uh, i could go on and get into more details on that kevin there's a question in the chat from scott scott what are the odds we see paxton or walker um, it's a good question. Uh, Paxton has surprisingly not signed. Um, we, uh, took the, uh, we are of the opinion, the industry lost, um, $2.9 billion. And I'm, but for any of you make faces, no, nobody cares that rich owners lost money, but we lost $2.9 billion last year. And we have taken the position that there are 180 free agents still out there on February 5th unsigned. And sooner or later, uh, these players are going to turn their hat over and come with hat in hand looking for a, a contract. We think Walker is one of them. Uh, James Paxton made $12.5 million last year, uh, and his agent has told us, that he's going to make more in 2021. 
interestingly, we started a conversation with Paxton yesterday, and it is for substantially less than he made. There's a chance. Uh, we're having conversations, and um, Walker thinks he's going to get a three-year deal. Uh, I don't think he's going to get a three-year deal, and there's a chance he comes back as well. When I said uh, we're looking to get another starting pitcher, you just named two um, that we are uh, in the early stages of talking to, but um, February 17th is fast approaching. Uh, I'm a little confused about the clinic kid. Uh, I, my re- recollection is that he's a top uh, rookie we've got out there, uh, top prospect we have out there. And I'm a little confused about your statements about him earlier. It sounded like he wasn't happy with uh, contract opportunity long term. Uh, is this is is he in the system? Is he going to be in the system, or is is he actually gone or going? So he's uh he's in our minor league system. He has not. He's only had, um, you know, in 2019 we promoted him to Double A. He is a very good player, um, uh, and quite frankly, we think he's going to be a superstar. He, we control his major league career for six years, um, and after six years, he'll be a free agent. Uh, we would like him to get a few more bats in the minor leagues, uh, probably Triple A Tacoma, uh, for for a month, and then he will uh, likely be in left field at um, T-Mobile Park for the next uh, six or seven years, and then he'll be a free agent. And if uh, he he has he won't commit beyond his free agent years. He's I wouldn't say he's unhappy. He appreciates the offer. He just refused to sign it. He he thinks he's going to be that good, and he thinks um, he will be a very well-paid player after six years, and I think he might be right, hopefully with us, but uh, we'll see where we end up. He's, 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 he's not unhappy. He's I guess I would say he's unhappy that he hasn't played at T-Mobile Park, but he thought he should have been in left field at T-Mobile Park Three years ago, I mean, he's he 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 does not lack confidence. All right, Kevin, uh, I would like to just uh, close the meeting here before we turn it back over to the group. More questions, I'm sure there are going to be more questions. So, Kevin, thank you for your uh, presentation again today. It's always interesting uh, to get an update from you on how uh, the favorite team is doing out here. So, um, in honor of your presentation. And through the generosity of Cashman Consulting uh, and Jeff Cashman, we are donating a thousand pounds of fresh produce to Harvest Against Hunger. Mm. Uh, so, thanks to all the uh, thank you, thank thank you uh, and thank you for your interest. We yeah. we, I, I, we really appreciate um, that there's an interest out there. We think we're in a really good spot, and we're excited about the future. Th- I, I'm, and I'm really looking forward to, to next spring when I, I tell you who we signed and, and how many games we're going to win. Right. So, uh, you know, to thanks to all the guests who joined us again today uh, for the contribution again to the renewal uh, Food Bank win. Uh, I know it's been a tough year for the Mariners, and I think this quote is really appropriate to all of us, that uh, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. And this is a very famous quote from Yogi Berra. So hopefully the road that we take would be better for all of us uh, 
2021 and beyond. So with that, we are adjourned and I'll turn it back over to you guys for more questions. Kevin, I had a quick question. Yes, sir. Does, despite all, obviously, the trying times in 2020, is there any, you shared that one story about the young player saying, hey, you know, give me 23 million and I'll sign. I mean, can you think of any other like positive leadership stories that came out of a, a weird year and a weird season? Um, Marco Gonzalez is, um, has really taken a leadership role in 20, uh, good story. In 2019, we had a, a veteran pitcher that we have uh, since traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks, if you want to figure out who it is, uh, who had, a, you know, attitude. He, he, he'd been around. He'd been there, done that. And our bullpen coach was talking to the starting pitchers about – this was in spring training. And he was talking about – um you know, when you go out and throw your bullpens, you know, it's only 20 pitches. Let's make sure it's quality. And he was giving this speech. Um, and, uh, the pitcher who's no longer with us kind of rolled his eyes and said, don't tell me how to throw my bullpens yet. And, uh, as the meeting broke up, uh, Marco Gonzalez, uh, with a, the help of a couple bullpen guys, uh, pushed this particular pitcher into the locker. And said, listen, if you want to be a dick, be a dick, but be a dick quietly. Um, uh, and you know, for a young kid to do that, good for him. Good for him. Um, and he's really taken a, you know, it's hard for a pitcher who only uh, performs every fifth or sixth day to take a leadership role, but Marco has really uh, kind of owned that. Um, Kyle Lewis for being a rookie will be a leader in our, our clubhouse. And I have to compliment, you know, Kyle Seeger is a veteran player. Uh, he's probably overpaid. Uh, but his attitude, I mean, this has been a tough couple of years where we uh, traded veterans and, and came in with young kids who are learning. And Kyle Seeger has stayed positive and ha- has had a tremendous attitude. Um, there's been several times, that's why I whispered in his ear, that he's going to be a Mariner Hall of Famer because it's got to be it's got to be some tough years for him. But uh, he's been positive, he's been upbeat, and uh, it's really been uh, fun to watch him grow. Awesome! Thanks, thanks for sharing that. Kevin, tell, tell us about uh, Julio Rodriguez. Uh, Julio Rodriguez has got a personality bigger than all of you combined. He is. Uh, he is loud. He is, uh, his English is not tremendous. Uh, but he, uh, him and Kellenek are very good friends. He's a year behind Kellenek. He will probably be here in, tw- everybody says 2021. He won't be here till 2022 or 2023. Um, a fantastic kid, uh, really big on social media. He loves to, to get out in front. He loves the Mariners. And, um, between him and Kellenek, we think, we think we've got an outfield that will be, um, um, as good as any in baseball for the Knicks. He's, he's the real deal. He's ranked higher than Kellenek, which is, you know, I, I said Kellenek doesn't lack for confidence. Kellenek is not happy that he's the fifth highest prospect on Baseball America and Rodriguez is the fourth highest prospect. But little things like that bother Kellenek. Kevin, 
it's pretty clear that you're pretty frustrated with the union. Um, what other thing? What other issues are out there that are keeping you awake at night? Uh, I worry about our fans. I worry about, um, you know, it's we need to m- make it easy for fans to come to T-Mobile Park. And I've I've really challenged my operations department, my concessions, my um, merchandise. Um, if they're coming to T-Mobile Park, they, they shouldn't have to stand in line to spend money with us. They shouldn't have to stand in line to get into the building. We need to get better uh, at big crowds. Um, part of it is the rules have changed since, since uh, 9-11, you know, magnetometers and we're, we're going to put, um, we're going to bury big bollards out on the sidewalk so that the, a truck can't drive into the, to the uh, stadium. Um, uh, the rules have changed and we have to pay attention. We have to make it easy for fans to come to the ballpark. Um, I worry about the neighborhood. Um, you know, we have, we have employees that, uh, show up at, uh, 4.15 and, and leave at, uh, 10 o'clock at night and they, they don't park and there's not enough parking so I can get away with charging 30, 40, $50 to park in my uh, tiny little parking garage across the street. So I don't let my employees park there. I have them park down on the other side of, um, uh, Century, I guess, um, I guess, well, CenturyLink it's not, but, uh, I'll call it CenturyLink. And so I have to have, I hire police to escort them to their, their cars. Um, as they check out, punch out, they, they walk in groups and they're escorted with police. Yeah, we gotta do something about our neighborhood. Um, I worry about, uh, getting, once this is behind us, getting people to come to T-Mobile Park is, um, it's gonna be critical. My, uh, my, uh, uh, parking guy is, is talking about, uh, socially distanced fans, the 9,000 I talked about. And he wants to have all these management people back to run the parking garage. I said, there's going to be, for 9,000 people, there's, there's enough parking around the ballpark. You're going to be, you're going to open the gates and say park for free for crying out loud. Stop it. Um, but little things like that, that we have to do to entice fans to come back down and experience the fun and uh, enjoy of, of gathering at T-Mobile Park. Hey, Kevin. Sure. As there's been a lack of fans or fans not being able to attend the, the game, what's happened to the season ticket holders? Uh, well, I'm, it's remarkable how many season ticket holders left their money with us. Hmm. Um, I had to point out to the bank, um, um, in the next year, here's, here's our forecast for next year required to give them the budget. And I said, I said, I'm not expecting the season ticket holders to, to pay me in advance for the following year. So there's going to be a little bit of a cash need. But uh, uh, as we start the season, we will likely offer them seats, socially distanced seats, and they will use up their credit. Um, my suspicion is they won't be able to use their entire credit because of, of socially distanced requirements. But our, our season ticket uh, fan base, it's remarkable. Well, we gave them, we gave them a 15% discount in 21 if they left their money with us and, uh, shockingly high percentage of, and, and we're very appreciative. That's good. Thank you. Hmm. What about 
Kevin, the, the changes in the minor league organizations around baseball and the fewer teams, what does that mean for the Mariners and also the new status of the Everett franchise and the relationship with the parent club? Um, minor league baseball uh, went through a dramatic change. Uh, we went from um, some teams had six or seven minor league teams. We went to four per club. Um, it was, you know, we tried to negotiate it with the, the minor league baseball. We, um, we owned 51%. You didn't ask this, but we owned 51% of the Modesto nuts. The reason we owned 51% of the Modesto nuts is we were sick and tired of playing in lousy facilities. So we bought 51% so we could then move our minor league affiliate there. It was things like that that drove the change. In minor league baseball, we had the choice. They called us and asked um, if we wanted to stay in Everett. Um, Everett was a short season. They started in the middle of June and ended in September. Uh, the short season teams are now gone. Um, they asked us if we wanted to stay in Everett. We, quite frankly, liked the owner in Everett. Um, we thought he was a good person. We liked the location of Everett. We don't particularly like the facility called Everett. Um, we talked to the owner. We could have gone to Spokane. Uh, we could have gone to Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, problem with Vancouver is you run into visa problems, with the, particularly when you bring kids from Venezuela and the Dominican trying to get them across the border for a three-game series. I'm, and I'm about to watch your facial expressions because not only is the replay here to stay – we will have an electronic strike zone within two years. The, the umpire behind home, the, the home plate will be called by a machine. There will be a home plate umpire who's there to, um, uh, he'll have a piece in his ear so that just in case the ball bounces through the strike zone and the machine calls it a strike, he can, he can overrule that. But, um, the electronic strike zone is coming. Um, it's pretty hard to argue that the technology doesn't exist to do that. They, they're, they're within millimeters now of uh, uh, every pitch. Heck, they know the spin rate on every pitch that's thrown, and everybody's analyzing the data on on all of that. So it's there. It exists, and they're going to use it. And we just have to get better at the replays. When we have a replay, we've got to get. It's got to be done quickly and move on. It can't be a two minute stop of the action. Kevin gets. Baseball today has a lot of players from other countries. Uh, Obviously from the Caribbean and, and Venezuela, but also now Korea, Japan, etc. What do clubs or baseball in general do to help these players learn English if they don't already know it? Um, some clubs are better than others. Um, you know, 20 years ago, we'd sign a, a 16-year-old kid in the Dominican. We'd send them to a dumpy old academy um, with no hot water and a lousy rock-filled field. And then when he was 18 or 19, we'd send him to Peoria, Arizona, and put him up at the the uh, Hampton Inn and give him uh, $30 a day. He doesn't even know he doesn't even know how to make change. Uh, $30 a day for per diem, and surprise, surprise, they'd get in trouble because uh, they wouldn't know how to speak the language or, or how to make change or, or even buy a dinner. Um, that's all changed. We have an academy in the Dominican now. Our Venezuelan and um, 
Dominican kids are there for several years, uh, 11 months of the year. English is taught. English classes are mandatory. High school diplomas are mandatory. Uh, and life skills. Here's what, you know, here's a dollar bill. Here's a quarter. Here's a $5 bill. Here's how it works. Um, really critically important as much as their, their skills as a pitcher or a hitter or, or a shortstop, uh, critically important skills so they can, they can survive and thrive in the United States, which is what we're ultimately hoping they do. Um, some teams better than others. I'd like to think we're on the front edge of that. We've got a really nice academy. Um, as far as uh, uh, Korea, Japan, Taiwan, those players are typically older. Um, they don't come over as 16, 18-year-olds. They come over as 28, 30, 32-year-olds. Um, and we typically – it frustrates me. For instance, we, we just rehired Iwakuma. Iwakuma was a pitcher for us for a number of years, wonderful human being. His English is terrible. Uh, he wanted to get back into the game. He wanted to, and he came to us, and, and we quite frankly want him as, as our Asian scout interpreter, um, what's going on in the Japanese league. Uh, he's coming to spring training, and I made the same. I'm tired of paying his interpreter. Because when he was a player, you know, we pay Iwakuma X, but we also had to pay $75,000 a year to have an interpreter with him. Um, his English suddenly got better. His English got better when we told him that. So, <laughs> but, but we, for, for the older players from the, from the Far East, we, we, we have an interpreter that travels with them. Um, and for the younger Dominicans, Venezuelans, Caribbean players, we, we really invest in them at a young age before they get here. Good question. It's important. Couple- Couple of questions, Kevin. One, uh, one relating to pitchers, and then one relating to the draft. On, on the pitchers, I know you went with the, the six-man rotation last year. That seemed a little more logical because of the nature of the season. Um, you say you're going with six this year. Do you see this as uh, something that's of the future? Um, and along those lines, what do you see with these the relievers starting games, like I think Tampa Bay does and others? And then the second area, which uh, you might cover, is last year's uh, draft was a, what was it, eight rounds, six rounds? Anyway, five rounds. Five, five rounds. rounds. And, you know, instead of the 30 or 40 or 50, whatever it, it's been in the fa- past, what what do you see happening with that going forward, and what's the impact? Um, I think that, well, one of the reasons we reduce the number of minor league teams is we'd have a 40-round draft simply to staff a roster. Um, the days of, of, of finding um, a fireballer from, you know, Bumbleduck, uh, North Dakota, <laughs> 39th round, and he turns out to be Cy Young, those days are over. The um, There's too much video. There's too much, you know, scouting now, a lot of it is done on video, and the players send stuff in, you know, as we get closer to the draft. Uh, for the high-end players, we'll go see them. But as a as a general rule, a lot of the scouting is now done uh, electronically uh, with videos. That's one of the reasons we reduce the number of teams because you know, why are we spending all this money um, when? And, and I, I I I apologize, I don't know the stats, but I did at at one point. Uh, after the fifth round, the chances of making it to the major leagues. Uh, over the last eight years or, or, you know. 
All right, big thanks to Larry Stone for coming on late night. He wrote his column, cranking on it, and then agreed to come on and do this and stay up late for him. Uh, he's almost a septuagenarian. Okay, he's not. He's only 62. Can't get the COVID vaccine and all that good stuff. But big thanks to him uh, for doing this. I promise hopefully we will uh, talk about baseball and some other stuff. I'll actually get to be out on the complex here on Tuesday watching workouts. So I'll have a better feel for what we're seeing and everything like that. But keep, stay tuned. Keep reading the Seattle Times website to see what happens with Kevin Mather. Like I said, Larry's column's great. I like Matt's column as well. I have the full video on my story um, and kind of walk you through it. So until then, we'll talk to you soon. This has been the Extra Innings Podcast presented by the Seattle Times with your host, Ryan Divish. Thanks to the Midnight Salvage Company for providing the beds and bumper music for the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. You can reach Ryan via email, rdivish at seattletimes.com. Follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Divish or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Ryan Divish. Thanks for listening. 